Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juice and the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Tracy. Die. Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, welcome to the first episode of the new year. It is 2021 and is a new season for Juicing the Numbers. And you're all the worst for joining us. So thank you for making your life worse to make our lives no better. Um, yeah, same thing. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, some some football shit today. Mainly a lot of uh, Jacksonville and Jets talk. Um, I would like to say, though, Corwin, I've been talking about it for the last two years. And I'm actually starting to watch more basketball. I want to start with this. Okay. I, I have watched we three start, Knicks games this season. We're going to start with season. the one thing that we did not discuss talking about before we opened up this nope. podcast. Nope. I have watched three Knicks games. They have won all three games. <laughs> I'm having a great time. And I'd like to say that I am going to save this franchise. Good luck with that. I, uh, I will not hold out that hope for you. But you know what? Have fun with it. Yeah, except um, it's been very funny because I don't know enough about basketball to really understand fully what's happening. Um, <laughs> so I was watching it with Kel, like my girlfriend, who who like played basketball um, for a very long time. And um, she was like, I can tell you don't watch basketball. And I was like, how? She was like, you're getting too emotionally invested in every shot. And <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, like that's hockey. You're lucky if you score four goals in a game. She was like, "Yeah, Josh, like you're you're cheering for a, a two pointer with like six minutes left." And I was like, "Hey, no, no, no back off." Which We're is fantastic because Kel played basketball, like she knows it. She's familiar with it, and you're coming in just like, "Oh my god, they're scoring a hundred and fifty goals." What? Yeah, right. And it's like, how could you not get all big about this? And it's just like, well. Chances are there's going to be like 18 more points scored. <laughs> so it's like, doesn't really matter. All right, fair, fair, fair. But I just wanted to put it out in the world that I'm living up to this New Year's resolution thus far. And I am the Knicks saving grace. They needed me. And now I'm here. Daddy's home. <laughs> um, I haven't watched any basketball, but I've watched uh, a couple highlights from the World Juniors. That's been exciting. Right on. The hockey season's right around the corner too, right? Yeah, I've been getting all in on this uh, this whole hockey sensation. Um, I don't know if you're familiar, but it's basically a game that's played on ice. That's not Bob's blood. Uh, so it's pretty exciting. I think you'd like it. So it's like it's like roller derby, but on ice. Yeah, yeah. but better. All right. All right, that makes sense. That makes sense. This is fun, man. I I really missed having having sports, multiple sports, be on, and this is great because I'm today's the last Jets game of the season, so I can finish this low note out and then pivot into the high note that is the Knicks basketball season. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> the highlight of New York sports. <laughs> but all right, so let's I guess let's talk about some Jets shit. So the the Jets have lost the. Uh, the first overall pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are the only two teams with their picks locked in. Um, the If Jacksonville were to win the last game of their season and the Jets were to lose the last game of their season, both of which are today, they would both finish with identical 2-14 and 14 records. The difference being the strength of schedule for Jacksonville was easier than the Jets. Why does the easier strength of schedule get you the higher pick? Because that means you were worse you were worse against worse competition. Your two wins against easier competition means that you sucked more than a team with two wins against better competition. So you get the higher pick. So no matter what, Jacksonville taking the first, Jets taking the second, because even if the Jets win this week, they'll be 3-13 and and no other team has fewer than four wins. Every other team has at least four wins. Hmm. So that brings out about a lot of I guess, interesting discourse for what's going to happen with these two teams. Um, I guess, actually, you know what? Let's take it with Jacksonville first, because I think there might be a little bit more of a sure thing as to what they're going to do. Jacksonville's going to take a quarterback. Yeah. Guaranteed. Not Guaranteed. just quarterback. 
They're taking Trevor Lawrence. Also, and this is going to be the first question I was going to ask you, is that it is predicted Trevor Lawrence has been the, the, the crowned jewel of the draft conversation all year this year. I can say this wholeheartedly without, you know, even jumping into Trevor Lawrence as a prospect yet, you know, without watching the film yet, he will be a better graded prospect. He doesn't have flaws to his game. You know, he is such a precision, accurate passer. He could make any throw on the field. He's far more mobile than you would assume looking at him. Um, he's, you know, I don't want to keep rubbing this in seeing as you know you've now lost the chance to draft him but he's a perfect prospect um and there's no way the jaguars would risk taking a guy like justin fields or zach wilson and miss out on trevor lawrence it's um it's going to make for a very interesting draft um yeah i i i think it's it's a fucking lock that they're going to take him um, I think the conversation around the other quarterbacks is people hunting for things to talk about. Um, always, I, but yeah, cause you know, you, you gotta, um, granted we've been surprised before. It was a surprise when Sam Darnold fell to the jets in, um, the, what was it? 2016, 2017 draft. Um, it was a surprise in that same draft that Josh Rosen fell as far as he fell. Um, like we've seen weird shit happen with quarterbacks, but by and large, whoever has been the most hyped up draft prospect for quarterbacks has been taken early. Um, so I, I can't say it, it, it would be way bigger of a surprise if Jacksonville didn't draft him than anything else happening. Um, it's also going to be interesting to see how Jacksonville improves with having him. Because um, you know where Gardner Minshew ranks in the NFL in uh, passer rating? Uh, I do not. 15th. Oh, that's fairly reasonable. I like that. Yeah, he's just below Justin Herbert at 14, just above Baker Mayfield at 16. Um, <laughs> And, you know, oh, Jacksonville's know. gone through, like, a carousel of quarterbacks this season. You know, Gardner Minshew has started eight games. Mike Glennon started four games. And Jake Luton started three games. So they've been through a lot of quarterbacks this season. Um, I think, obviously, Jacksonville has bigger issues than just quarterback. And in a different draft, I'm not sure they would draft a quarterback. But when you have the first overall pick and you have this type of prospect, I don't. You'd be a fool not to take a quarterback. So, because like, who do you think is in a better spot? Um, the Bengals, right? You know, five minutes before they drafted Joe Burrow, or Jacksonville right now. Who do you think's in the better position to win? So the Bengals at this point one year ago or Jacksonville right now? Yes. I would argue Jacksonville because of the pieces that they currently have. So they're going to get Trevor Lawrence, which is also, you know, already a, a minor bump above Joe Burrow. They don't have a coach, but I mean, Zach Taylor is nothing spectacular. We'll talk about this in a minute, but, you know, right now, Urban Meyer is the front runner for the Jacksonville job, according to some sources, or at least the favorite. They have key pieces on defense. They have Miles Jack. They have CJ Henderson. Uh, they have Josh Allen. They have, um, oh, what's his face uh, at edge rusher that they got last year as well? Uh, fuck, I'm forgetting it already um, from LSU. But regardless, they have key pieces on defense. They have a much better offensive line than what the Bengals had going into this season. Um, they have DJ Chark at receiver. They have James, Wa or James Robinson excuse me, at running back. They have key pieces to build around. Um, you know, Joe Burrow kind of went into Cincinnati as being a one-man show with, you know, the shell of A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd there. 
nothing else on offense other than you know Joe Mixon, who is highly touted, but is really still just potential and not actually you know putting it all together. Trevor Lawrence would be going into a a much more complete team, you know, from a full complete perspective about you know the pressure that would be put on him to perform. So. I think Jacksonville's in a better position. I I'm interested in seeing because the Cincinnati quarterback position the season who played court was it still Dalton the season before Joe Burrow? Yes. Um, I don't feel on. super confident, but yes, no, yes, that's the thing. Neither do I. <laughs> who the fuck quarterback for for Cincinnati that year? All right, yeah, it was it was a combination of Aaron Dalton, sorry, Andy Dalton, Ryan Finley, and Alex Erickson. Um, oh no, he's a wide receiver who threw one pass. Okay, so yeah, Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley, yeesh, uh, yeah. whose quarterback ratings respectively were seventy eight point three and sixty two point one. That is bad. So the upgrade going from Dalton slash Finley to Burroughs is pretty significant. Um, the It'll be interesting to see what the upgrade going from Minshew to Lawrence is, not because I don't think Lawrence is going to be a really great player or that he'll be an immediate impact player. It's just the marginal difference between the two is going to be smaller. Um, that's... You know, if you take the 78 quarterback rating that Andy Dalton had as being the high end, and let's see what Joe Burrows was. 89. So let's just call it 10 points of, of quarterback rating on top of it. Um, I, I I think you're unlikely to get going from, uh, what, what did I say um, Minshew's quarterback rating was? 95.9. 95.9. Uh, yeah, I think you're pretty unlikely to go all the way up to 105 in your first season. Um, that's just really, really hard to do. Uh, I, it's not again. That's not to say I don't have any level of confidence in Trevor Lawrence. To I wouldn't be surprised if he would do it. I just think it's unlikely that he would do it. Which again is going to bear the question of what else can Jacksonville do? Because um, they are not a quarterback away. And again, in a different draft, I don't think they'd be taking one. But I'm very excited. I'm excited and interested because I want Jacksonville to be a good team. Because they're a sad sack bad franchise, and uh, if you know anything about this podcast, is that we root for the sad sack bad franchise. Um, but they have shed; they've been shedding players in the past few years, um, and I I don't know what they've got. If, if what they've got is enough to be, although their division is fucking trash. Yeah, I don't so, know. All right, so, so Minshew's quarterback rating this past year. 95.9. So Lawrence would need to set a 105.9 to be the 10 points, you know, ahead that 10 point leap that was Joe Burrow last year. Yes. The all time record for passer rating by a rookie quarterback is 104.9. So it would be oh, wow. a one point increase over the current all time record. Which would you like to take a guess at who set it? <sighs> I don't have a full list, but I do have the top two. Patrick Mahomes. It was not Patrick Mahomes who played in one game his rookie year. Oh, is that how they're counting it? I, I wasn't sure if they do it the way the MLB does it, which is based on service time. Or All right. Um, uh, I think it's just appearance. Chad Pennington. Fuck off. Yeah? No. no. Oh, all right. <laughs> who? I don't Dak, know. Dak Prescott. Oh, I did know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then number, number two, two, if you have any guess. Nah. Uh, Robert Griffin III with a 102.4. Oh, fuck. 24. You know, I knew that shit, too. God damn, yeah. At one point, she did. At, and at one point, he was good. <laughs> um, Correct. Yeah. And then and then his glass bones uh, stopped holding him up. But... So yeah, it'll, that'll that'll be its own interesting thing. But again, that is very much so what it is. That that's going to be whatever it's going to be. Trevor Lawrence is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar 
almost certainly. It'd be weird if he wasn't. That brings into question what the fuck the Jets are going to do, which is a much more interesting question heading into draft day. Well, before we move on from the Jaguars, should we talk about Urban Meyer? Uh, yeah, fuck it. I was going to say the coaching changes for the end, but fuck it. Let's just do it with the teams. Let's save it for the end. Let's save it for the end and let's talk Jets. All right. Okay. Um, so if you take Trevor Lawrence off the board, Corwin, who would you say are your next, I don't know, two or three quarterbacks that you think are most likely to be taken, um, directly after Lawrence? So going into it, it was Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Kyle Trask, Mac Jones. Those are the big names. Those are, you know, not all in the same tier, but those are basically the guys that are making up the list of potential starting quarterbacks, potential franchise quarterbacks, you know, potential round one guys. Okay. Um, That being said, Zach Wilson and Trevor, not Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields are in that second tier uh, roughly by themselves. Um, they're the only two guys I think are going to be considered for the second overall pick. Uh, Zach Wilson is kind of a newcomer where he was not discussed going into the season, had a tremendous season at BYU, um, showed mobility, showed a, a tremendous arm talent, um, really had to Justin Fields came in much later um, after being the consensus kind of like number two guy in this class. Had a excellent start to the season. Finished up kind of rocky. And then in this bowl game that we assumingly both watched this past week, excuse me, uh, that we both assumingly watched this weekend, had far and away the best of his career, uh, outplayed Trevor Lawrence and... For me, kind of set himself up to you know lock in that number two position. Um, you know he still has his concerns just you know before diving into the film at all um, with turnovers. You know forcing the ball into windows that really aren't open and forcing turnovers. Um, but what we saw this weekend was a guy that could make every single throw on the field just an unbelievable amount of toughness after what seemingly looked like a shattering of all his ribs um, and just an explosion. Um, and then just being able to do whatever is asked of him, both him passing quarter passing leader, things so this point i'm not quite ready to lock him in as the number two but it's getting very close and that was all for sorry i lost the name in there that was, that was uh, all for justin zach wilson fields. or justin fields justin all right justin, justin fields. fields got it that's what i thought all right um so now let's i guess talk about the so l- let's go into it assuming a justin fields world just to put a name there it doesn't really matter which would um, be my guess which i think also would be mine um, Tankathon, because I'm looking at their mock draft, has Zach Wilson there and Justin Fields going to um Atlanta, but I'm not, I don't, I don't want that. Um, and I, I just want to say before we move on from this at all, the biggest, biggest X factor for me that I feel like hasn't really been discussed much, but will inevitably, inevitably, become is whatever quarterback gets picked by the Jets is going to need some incredible mental toughness to both handle the pressure of an entire franchise being laid on your shoulders and also the inevitable pressure that comes from hey we were going to get trevor lawrence we were set to get trevor lawrence we were set to be fixed as a franchise that didn't happen now you need to come in step up and do the same and i can't say i know enough about zach wilson and his mental game i've heard rumors that don't exactly paint him in the brightest light um and i will say everything i've seen from justin fields is that he is just a steel trap and if there is any quarterback in this class that i would want behind trevor lawrence to be able to 
take the reins of that franchise, especially in New York City, especially the Jets in New York City, and be able to still thrive, it would be Justin Fields. I I think a lot, because there's going to be a lot in flux for the Jets heading into this offseason, as we will talk about with the Adam Gase situation, that might actually take some of the pressure off of whichever quarterback is going to be coming in. Because chances are, you know, it's going to be um, fucking Joe Douglas's second draft. It'll be his coach. It'll be a whole new coaching staff. Because I'm assuming all the coordinators will be gone. Or at least all the high-level coordinators will be gone. Um, to be replaced with the new coach's guys or whatever. Um, and I think there will be a certain degree of forgiveness when it comes to the fact that this won't be the first overall pick. It'll be the second overall pick. Because um, there's actually a decent amount of... There was a lot of latitude with Sam Darnold's performance amongst Jets fans and the media in New York over the first two years of his of his career here. Um, the negative aspect of his coverage has really only been this year, and that's because the Jets have been so bad that a quarterback being a good quarterback being draftable is on the table due to draft position. And the fact that there's some decisions to be made with his contract, which is part of what I wanted to talk about, too. Um, so I think whoever's going to come in, obviously, is going to have to handle the fact that this is New York. This is New York media. This is, even though it's the second team in the city, it's still a really big city and still a lot of coverage to have to handle. But I, I don't think, or at least I would be optimistic in thinking that the spotlight wouldn't be too harsh. But again, what the fuck do I know? Um, so I guess. Let's let's now get into a little bit of, of the, uh, the the game of this. And again, bef- before we move on, I just want to say uh, Draft Network, um, who has kind of morphed into being my go-to for uh, scouting and things like that. Trevor Lawrence is the number one overall player. Justin Fields is number three, the second quarterback. And Zach Wilson is 14, the third quarterback. Okay. The I, next, I, next quarterback that comes up is what I would assume to be Trey Lance, but I've yet to find him on this, and that is concerning. Uh, holy shit. Mac Jones at 66? That can't be right. I had to have missed him. Oh, my God. This is... Where is Trey Lance? Oh, my God. I'm having, like, an existential crisis here. Yeah, buddy. Oh, no, he was at 16. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, all right. And anyway, so if I was Joe Douglas, yes, and I'm going to armchair GM this, yes, what I would do is not fall for the sunk cost fallacy and move on from Sam Darnold, which I was really not open to as, at least to this degree, uh, early in the season. Because, and I didn't think most of what was happening was his fault. And to be honest with you, I still don't think most of what's happening is his fault. At no, the same no. time, um, I know he's young. He is he is 23, um, heading into his age 24 season. Uh, and I know he's been dicked over by the team in terms of this, their terrible performance, their inability to put good players around him. Um, and mainly, though, an inability to put a coach that will actually work with him around him. Uh it, I am still going to be hard-pressed to say he's played himself into a position where he can keep his job. Um, because he himself has still been making very questionable decisions and has not, at any point during his career here, I think, truly won us games. I think he's been doing a fine job over his tenure to not lose us to many games, but between all the picks and turnovers and decision-making problems he's had i i'm still not confident that he is the best solution going into next year when you could take a flyer on a guy like justin fields so what i would personally do is pick up sam darnold's fifth year option and then trade him and retain as much of his salary as you can stomach because if i'm the jets i've got nothing but fucking cap space I mean, they've got fucking nothing but cap. They have a stupid amount of cap space. And I'm tired of the Jets having this much cap space. And you know what? 
I think that the base level player that the Jets have is slowly trending towards acceptable. And I think a few more draft picks might be worth a few more dollars. Because honestly, I don't give a shit about the money anymore. I don't give a shit that the Jets have all this 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 capital that they can use, but then never end up using. And I would take a few extra players out of it. Um yeah. we saw we saw the Browns doing this with Brock Osweiler a few years ago. And uh I uh I just I just don't I would rather have draft picks this year and less money so that in in next year I could have um more money and sign free agents because if we're being honest even if the Jets signed a bunch of really cool free agents we shouldn't assume they're going to be anywhere near good next year either I have three kids and no money. Why can't I have no kids and three money? There you go. Um, as it stands right now in 2021, the Jets have $70 million in cap space. Um, I think it's actually going to end up being more than that. But um, that is to be seen. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure how much it matters that aspect of it but i think um it's time it, this is not am, a game to be to be um overly emotional about with hanging on to these guys it's it's the nfl it moves too quick this is not baseball where you can let them you know pick up some pinch hitting appearances and and just drop them down in the lineup you know you 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 can't hang on to like, look, the, the the Yankees can pick up Brett Gardner again, let him bat ninth, and no one's really going to give that much of a shit because it's not that many plate appearances. You can't do that with Sam Darnold. There's no, you can't just hang on to him for the fuck of it. Yeah, and you know what? I'm all on board with trading Sam Darnold. I think it's something that needs to be done. Um, at the end of the day, this is a situation where, you know, outside of this year and last year's draft class, Justin Fields would be a all-star first overall pick selection. Um, it's not, you know, even though it's still the Jets, you're not in this situation every year. And if you're trying to improve your team, you cannot expect to be in this situation every year. And when the opportunity to get a prospect like Justin Fields to be locked in to be able to get a prospect like Justin Fields, you kind of have to take it. You know, the the chance of Sam Darnold being a very good quarterback with the right pieces around him is still fairly good. I still think it's likely and not a possibility. But at the same time, he's going to be on, you know, the final year of his rookie deal. You don't have that price control much longer. That is so unbelievably important in building a contending team is, you know, having your quarterback on that level of contract. That rookie contract is so important at, you know, cost controlling your franchise cornerstone, building around that. Obviously, you know, the contract, the extension he would sign would be significantly less than a premier position player or a premier quarterback. That being said, being able to get five years of control for a guy that by all means is a likely better prospect, likely better graded prospect, um, and then would be able to come in with a fresh start, everything involved there, it would be stupid not to. You know, you could get a premier offensive tackle you could get a premier wide receiver you could get a premier linebacker tight end cornerback even but the quarterback is such you know an important position the most important position no holds barred it would be dumb not to take a guy like justin fields trade sam darnold and be able to get a day two pick you know depending on how this market pans first if you you know end up moving some other pieces with them it regardless you need to trade sam darnold it shouldn't be left up to you know this or that flip of a coin it's it's the way it needs to fall 
Yeah, I, I mean, and especially this is a great market for us to trade him. I, I mean, there's a lot of teams that need even a flyer for a quarterback. You know, um, you could trade him to the Patriots because they have no long-term solution and aren't in a great draft spot. You could trade him to um, Carolina, who Matt Rule wanted to coach Sam Darnold in. They have no great long-term solution at quarterback right now. And not that they that Sam Darnold could be their long-term solution, but it's a flyer for them to take on a young guy. And, and the longer you, you hold on to him, the less he's going to be worth. Right. And you can easily get, you know, a second-round pick from Carolina, a high-end number two pick. Yeah, 40th overall. You know, a team like, uh, what were the other ones you said, the Patriots or the Steelers who were would be interested, maybe even the Saints, you're not going to get their first-round picks. That's just, it's it's too far back. Um, what am I trying to say? You're not going to get second-round picks from them because it, it just would not be worth it. You may be able to get a first because it's later in the first round if there are some other pieces involved. This is, you know, the value range that would be really good for you. You have a good amount of leverage here to get some real good value back. So, it, it they're in the driver's seat. We'll just have to see what happens. They really are. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think no matter what, though, I I want for once the Jets as an organization to all be on the same page, and I think that. That type of continuity um, and that clear lineage and clear direction for the team is really understated in its value. Right now, we have a quarterback who was drafted by our last GM, a coach who wasn't picked by anybody that should have decision-making powers picked by the, the owner, and then a, a, a GM who picked none of these people. Mm -hmm. And if we give Joe Douglas the chance... And again, I'm not trying to sit here and say that if we gave Joe Douglas full reins that the Jets would be a premier organization next season. Fucking no. But at the same time, the Jets should start moving towards a system where the guy who's supposed to be running football ops runs all the football ops so that we're not having piecemealed organizations that are never really functioning the way that any one guy intended them to because instead it's the vision of three different people. And if we gave Joe Douglas the reins this offseason, to pick his own coach, to either pick his own coordinators or work with that coach to pick those coordinators and then draft his own quarterback and then start putting the pieces around that quarterback the way he wants to, then, hey, everything's coming from that dude. And if we have faith and trust and give resources to that dude to do that, then we might actually end up with something closer to that ultimate vision than if we have three different people's visions trying to be combined into one. And that, to me, is another really big reason to move on from Sam Darnold. And that's not to say that good players can't play anywhere or that, you know, Sam Darnold won't find success if he goes to a different team because it's not the team that drafted him or whatever. But the Jets are bad. They need to get on the and they're organizationally bad. They're systemically bad. They need to start getting on the same page to at least start being able to make more full decisions on what's happening with the team and how that can affect future performance. And I think this is a great opportunity to take a major step in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I, I need them to start making smart decisions. I need them to start putting this together and really out the decisions they make and not making individual decisions, but have a plan in place to map out their future and always be working towards that goal and not just individual, you know, moves, deals in a vacuum that work out, but deals that work towards their plan. I think that needs to be their focus, their goal, their oh term that I am forgetting, but is vitally important. Yes. I I know, I know. It's like you can't let Joe Douglas sign Le'Veon Bell for a bunch of money and then turn him over to Adam Gase, who doesn't like Le'Veon Bell and then never gives him the um touches he needs or crafts plays around his skill set. Mm -hmm. Like that was such an obvious example of these guys having completely different visions for what this team should be. 
and then the execution falling well short of everyone's capabilities. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, they, 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 <laughs> they need to function like an actual fucking business, man. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. So we'll see what that holds for them. But the, the, I guess, you know, the first step that will at least I would hope would be initiated and done up before draft day is finding a new coach. Um, the Jets have informed Adam Gase that they are moving on, um, according to sources um, uh, from from Gase at the conclusion of the season, a surprise to no one. Although I think I can speak for all Jets fans when that still means though we all had a collective sigh of relief because when it comes to the Johnson brothers, who the fuck knows what the hell they're going to do? And we were all a little bit worried he would stay around. Um, so that is a huge plus, but it now brings into the question once again, for the third time in five years, um, what are the fuck are the Jets going to do for coach? Um, how relieved were you when this came out? Oh, dude, like I said, huge sigh of relief because again, I assumed it was coming, but you, you never, they brought Gaze back for a second season. He didn't even deserve that. Like, the the idea that they might have given him a third season was sound, which sounds outrageous. Um, really wouldn't have been based on how these two fuckers make their goddamn choices. So, uh, unexpected, no, huge sigh of relief though, huge. Um, and let me ask you now, Corwin, who do you want to see take this job? Uh, boy, I mean, Eric Bieniemy would probably be my you know number one choice that is my number one choice as well um it's tough to say i mean i know urban meyer has been in the discussion with jacksonville we can talk about that in a minute um you know there's a couple college coaches that i think would be good choices that said there are guys like greg roman who i thought would be excellent choices for you know moving up to the head coaching position after this past year in Baltimore, I don't know how high his name would be on the list. Um, I, it's hard to say. I mean, I know Eric Bieniemy is the number one clear-cut best option for any team interviewing. It's just hard to say who the next up-and-coming coaches are. <laughs> I it, I agree. You know, and it, it's hard to follow. It, it is. But I also think the reason I don't care because I don't want to see anybody other than Eric Bieniemy is I want the Jets to make the obvious choice for once. I don't want us to get crafty or to, you know, see something that we think could ultimately end up leading to this person being a huge success. Take the fucking easy way out. They went with Adam Gates because they thought that that the vision that he described um, suited what they what the Johnson brothers wanted to do, and they disregarded his career in Miami because um, they bought into whatever goods he was selling and thought that they found something that everyone else missed on. Mm-hmm. Fuck that! Fuck that shit! Take the guy who has led his team to an insane offensive run over the course of the past. How many fucking seasons has Bianca even been there? I mean, it's ridiculous. Take that guy, take him. It shouldn't be a hard choice. Cause you know what? It seems as though he's been doing a great fucking job. He shouldn't have to sell you a bag of goods. You should be able to look at the fucking box score and go, Hey, doing a pretty good job. And, <laughs> and say, Hey, maybe you can do a good job here. And that's it, man. That's it. They Matt Rule was an obvious choice, and they they didn't take him because they 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 wanted to pick the coordinators instead of letting Matt Rule pick the coordinators. They probably should have fucking taken Matt Rule. Look what he's done with a team that has like no quarterback presence at all. Are they good? No, but they're still like not crazy bad. They've still won some neat games. You know, obviously five and ten kind of sucks, but at the same time. You you're not really that upset about it. I mean, coming off of what they came off and the fact that their quarterback is nobody. I love Teddy Bridgewater, but you know, he's he's not a long term solution here. Um, and, and they fucked the up by where, not taking that. 
I don't think that it's going to come up, come down to the Jets making this decision. I think it's going to come down to is Eric Bieniemy willing to go to the Jets? And as you know, shitty as that sounds, that's just kind of how it's going to have to play out. Eric Bieniemy is the bell of the ball this year. You know, there are you know I looked up the other uh, candidates and and it is a nice list to choose from. But Eric Bieniemy is so far and away the favorite. They're going to have to do some serious uh, suitoring to get him. I don't know if that's the if that's. I knew what you meant. Yeah, but yeah, uh, in order to get him on board. Um, well, and so and that's. Other... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to throw some other names out there. So if we're still talking Bianami, well, yeah. So I. Either. That's one of the reasons I want them to bring him in as soon as they are allowed to by league rules, because I want them to say, "Look, this is Joe Douglas's team, but." We see what you have done in Kansas City. We are so impressed with what you've done in Kansas City, and we want you to have a voice in how this roster is constructed as well and have these two draft together. Joe Douglas, final say, because, again, we need a clear, instructive decision on what's happening, but there's no better way to bring a guy in than saying, hey, you get a voice in what fucking quarterback we take here. Tell us what you see. You're the guy that made Patrick Mahomes this fucking great. Well, I don't want to put all of it on Eric Bieniemy. There's a lot that goes into quarterbacks being good, including the quarterbacks. But um, you at least foster that environment and give give him a little bit of saying, like, you know, we're not just hiring you to come in here and do a good job. We're hiring you to come in here and be a part of the organization in terms of the the future of the Jets org, um, and let that be a selling point rather than draft a guy and say, hey, want to play with this guy? No, fuck. <laughs> so, I uh, I want this shit fucking done. And you're right; the, the Jets are going to have to sell them. The Jets have not been an attractive place to play for their uh, literally since they drafted Sam Darnold. Uh, and even then, it was risky. Who are some of the other names that you had written down there or found? So Joe Brady, Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, right? Hottest name in coaching last year has had one year as offensive coordinator in the NFL has had one year as offensive coordinator anywhere. Um, I think it's too early. I do not think that he's necessarily ready to be a head coach. That being said, if I had to choose whether I was going to try and get a head coaching candidate early or later than, uh, than being ready, I'm going to take it early because Joe Brady's the kind of guy that can become a superstar head coach, head coach candidate. I'd rather be on the leading edge of suiting him or s- s- whatever. Um, man, I'm bad with words and trying to figure out the right vocab for that is just difficult. Uh, um, I'd rather be a head in getting him rather than trying to catch up to everyone else, especially if I'm in a situation like the Jets. That being said, I don't know if this is the year. Um, Matt Campbell, head coach of Iowa State, he's been a hot name for a couple years now. He hasn't been willing to move into the NFL ranks. We'll see. Pat Fitzgerald is in that same boat. He's the head coach of Northwestern. Um, He's finally come out and said that he is now willing to interview for NFL positions, uh, which would be very intriguing. That actually just came out today, uh, the third, as we're recording this. Uh, Back in the NFL, Pete Carmichael, uh, New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator. Brian Dable, the Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. Um, Nathaniel Hackett, the Packers offensive coordinator. And Byron Leftwich, the Tampa Bay offensive coordinator. I'm leaving out all of the defensive guys because I think it's time for the Jets to focus on getting another offensive coach, especially with the second overall pick, especially with a guy like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson coming in. Um, I know the Jets historically are a defensive team. That's, you know, the way they've gone in the past, whether it be, you know, Rex Ryan or Todd Bowles, you know, Adam Gase obviously was an offensive guy that didn't work out. I do think they need to stick with the offensive mindset, though, for the way they're going to need to build this team moving forward. 
Agreed. And honestly, all things considered, the Jets' defense has not been awful. No. Um, they have not been good, but they have not been terrible. The, the, the Jets' defense, I think, will survive just fine with an offensive-minded head coach. And I do not count Adam Gase as being a true offensive-minded head coach because he got hired under by lying, by lying that he was good at his job. He, he's a dirty liar, and I, I think we should um, shoot him to the moon. Uh, I don't think we should shoot him to the moon. I think we should shoot him directly into the sun. I think either direction suits me fine. Just get him <laughs> off this planet. Yeah, he's not built for this earth anymore. And I swear to God, we're going to have this conversation at some point in the next few months about how Adam Gaze is going to end up finding some weird coordinator's job somewhere else. And somehow, even though he's so bad at his job that I think literally you and I could have probably gotten the same results out of this team that he did um, because of the boys club of the NFL, he'll, uh, he'll stay in the league for no good reason. Yeah. I mean, if I didn't have to call plays, yeah, I would have been fine. I could have won a game. Well, you know, he didn't deny calling plays because you can't you can't let the other team know who's calling plays because that's a competitive advantage. God, he fucking sucked. Um, all right. Anyway, I'm just gonna get mad. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are also in the midst of a um, head coaching change. These two teams are massively in flux right now and are probably going to be discussed against each other very much so going forward. This, unfortunately for the Jets, they were just in this type of conversation when it came to the rookie quarterback trio of um, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and Josh Allen, in which the Jets clearly came out and last. Um, the Jets have a new opportunity to be compared in the um, potential quarterback um, draftee, as well as new head coach conversation alongside Jacksonville. So Jacksonville uh, has... It has been heavily rumored, and therefore we'll take it as meaning very likely, that Urban Meyer is going to be heading into the NFL and coaching for the Jacksonville Jaguars and presumptively Trevor Lawrence. Corwin, as someone with more experience with Urban Meyer, what do you think about it? Man, um, I would love to see Urban Meyer come back to coaching. Um He's, you know, one of the best to ever do it. Uh, I will say that emphatically. If he could come back to coaching and not be in college football, hell yeah. Get me all on board with that. Get him the fuck away from Penn State. Um, that being said, that would be a huge get for, that would be a massive get for Jacksonville. Um, instantly would make them a team that, could contend uh in a a short period of time you know know, going from college to the nfl is obviously a major adjustment for coaches uh with the different play level the different focus you know you're no longer a recruiter you're no longer a ceo of a team you're now a x's and o's head coach which by all means is something that urban meyer is still very good at um but you know if he was to come back to the NFL or come back to coaching especially in the NFL him doing so with Trevor Lawrence at the helm would be instrumental to that I don't think this would have been discussed if it was the Jets who still had the first overall pick and were getting Trevor Lawrence because at the end of the day the Johnsons are, in all likelihood, we can't say this at a personal level. Excuse me, I had to yawn there for a second. Uh, they're not great owners. The cons are. The cons are very good owners. Um, you know, they put a lot of financial support. They are very understanding of what needs to be done and very supportive of what the general manager and head coach need to put out a winning team. You know, they have not been the issue in Jacksonville. Um, you know, some blame can certainly be placed on uh, Shad and Nev, but at the same time, it's, it's, they are guys that I genuinely think can be, um, top tier NFL owners. So, you know, him and his son, you know, Shad is 
the guy there, his son Tony, I think he he's also in a great position. I think Urban Meyer would go to Jacksonville and work for that ownership group. Not necessarily the Johnsons. So, you know, that was a bit of a tangent, but at the end of the day, Urban Meyer, bell of the ball, we've seen this before where he retires to focus on his health only to go back to a team, leaving a team that's not in the best position, going back to one that's in an even better position. Um, So that's how it's going to go. Yeah. Um. Where would he rank in the AFC South for head coaches if he uh, if he were to make the make the leap officially? Um, man, so that's tough. So we're looking at Frank Reich and Mike Vrabel and other for the Texans. Yeah, I was about to say I still don't know who their head coach is. Uh, they don't have one. Um, that Wait, being what? said, they don't. Well, I mean, they have. I think it's Romeo Cornell is their interim, but he's not going to be there long-term hire they're not going to commit to him yeah oh um, yeah so um actually, bill o'brien is romeo cornell is the interim he anymore. is okay. he, uh, if, if someone else is he's not listed on their their pro football reference pages having coached any of their games it says that bill o'brien coached for them went zero and four and then romeo cornell came in uh four and seven right. i remember romeo cornell being there back in like the hard knocks days and i just wasn't sure if he was even still there i could have yeah. sworn it was but you know just wasn't positive um, Easier. that being said, Frank Reich and Mike Vrabel are both very good NFL coaches and have proven themselves to be very good NFL coaches. That being said, you know, it's tough to throw Urban Meyer above them just because he hasn't coached in the NFL. But at the same time, he's such an exceptional college football coach it would pain me to put him be, put him behind either of those guys. So that's a really, really tough question that really just comes down to how well do you think that skill level transforms over? I was about um, to say, because it's my, it, this might be a tough question to, to answer even a year from now, because... Um, well, he's going to go to Jacksonville, and even though they're probably going to be a lot better than they are this year, just by having um, a higher-profile quarterback, and then you have to assume they're going to make a few adjustments to the roster to accommodate that as well. Um, they're still going to be a mediocre team at best, um, even playing in a in a relatively weaker division and and all that. They're still going to probably be a relatively weaker uh, weaker team. And it's going to be tough to judge Urban Meyer based on that performance unless they absolutely break out, in which case it will all be on him for the most part. Um, it's going to be it's it, this is a weird question to answer. I think it's more clear answering whether or not Eric Bieniemy is going to be a good fit for the Jets after one season, because we kind of know what the Jets are and their quarterback situation changing will be impactful. But I don't think not to the same degree. And there's other questions to be answered with the Jets. Um, that if they break out, I think it'll obvious. Whatever the happens with them, I think the Eric Bieniemy question will be easier to answer than the Urban Meyer question. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, these two teams are going to make for a very interesting next few seasons. Um, I admit fully that I am fucking horrified for the <laughs> Jets. I'm in no way, shape, or form looking forward to this. <laughs> oh my god, no. Um, only because, like, if, if if I was a brand new fan of football, I would be very excited getting in on the ground floor. Um, as someone who has experienced Jets football <laughs> my entire life, I know we will find a way to fuck this up. In some weird, unheard of... Like, the fact that the... Still, to this day, the fact that the Jets hired Adam Gase still blows my fucking mind. It was an out-of-left-field, terrible hire when it happened. It's an out-of-left-field, terrible hire looking back. And they blew a chance to have a high, you know, top three overall pick quarterback um, and be a competitive team with a declining Patriots team that finally actually happened. And they fucked it up. And so, I've, you know, we've seen the Jets do this multiple times throughout their history. I'm not going to be surprised if we see it again. But no matter what, the Jets and the Jaguars, the J-teams, are heading into a very interesting period uh, these next couple of seasons. So I guess we'll keep our eye on it and see what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely.
Um, where do you want to go from here? Uh, I have one other minor point that I think might end up becoming an episode later on. Um, but I wanted to raise it to you. Uh, and then I have nothing else after this. It has nothing to do with anything we've talked about today. So, you know how I said um, Gardner Minshew has a 95.9 quarterback rating? Mm-hmm. Do you know what his QBR is? I do not. 52.4. Now, QBR is out of 100, so it's a, it's a lower scale. The two guys he's between, so Justin Herbert, 14th in quarterback rating, 96.3. That is 0.4 points above Gardner Minshew. So statistically speaking, very close. Um, Justin Herbert's QBR, 68.1. 16 points higher. Baker Mayfield, who has a QB rating of 95.8, that is 0.1 points behind Gardner Minshew, has a QBR of 71.2. That's 19 points higher than Gardner Minshew. So Gardner Minshew here has a quarterback rating that looks very middle of the road and fine and ordinary or whatever. His QBR is really quite bad. It's the 28th worst QBR in the NFL this season. And I don't know what to make of that um, because I am pressed to think of such a discrepancy between the two in terms of where that ranks them amongst their their peers. Um, and I was wondering, Corwin, what your impression is, uh, which, which do you re- rely on more when you're doing your at-a-glance performance for quarterbacks? I use QB rating rather than QBR. Um, just because that's what I'm most familiar with and, and, you know, can look at at a glance and understand, you know, where that falls, where that stands amongst the rest of, um, you know, in comparison to other players around them. That being said, both are very useful. They just cover... It's just basically different formulas, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of a good baseball equivalent, uh, but none's really jump, none are jumping out, um, so it's hard to say. Which is fine. Um, I w- I'm wondering if maybe we could spend time in a different episode pulling up these formulas and going through where they're where they're different, because by and large, the ranking system seems to be effective for others. There's a few other weird ones, a few other players who take pretty big drops in their rankings. Like Kirk Cousins has a 103.1 quarterback rating, um, which positions him very neatly in the top 10 at number eight. Uh, When you sort by QBR, his 62.9 QBR puts him at 21st. It's 13 uh, places, 13 rankings spots that he drops, which is pretty significant to go from top 10 to, you know, bottom 15 um you know baseball reference war relies more on era so you you get some differences but usually you end up in most of the same park it it, it is very much so like this where you get a few guys who will have great fip seasons and bad era seasons and therefore their wars will be very different depending on where you're looking um so i would like to see but I know that difference. You know, we know that difference offhand. That that's how they they calculate their their wars and use those equations. I want to maybe next week spend time looking at where the discrepancy lies in between these and which one you agree with more. Because um, on its face, which one sounds more accurate to you? That Gardner Minshew is the fifteenth best quarterback in the league by quarterback rating, um, or fifteenth most efficient quarterback in the league, um, or? the 28th most efficient quarterback in the league. In all honesty, somewhere in the middle. (laughs) Like 15, you know, with the level of quarterback play that we have, 15 is very high. And 28 is very low. Um, And I think he is still a quarterback that is capable of winning you games or at least keeping you in contention to win games. And I think he's somewhere in the middle. And I don't care if that's a cop-out. That's just kind of the way I view things. That is absolutely a cop-out, but that's fine. I'm okay with that. I won't lose much sleep. You probably will, but for other reasons. Oh, of course, of course. All right, well, then, let's get out of here. Uh, Unless you got anything else to say? 
Um, at least the Steelers don't need to hire a new coach while they look for a new quarterback. <laughs> oh, sad. Uh, yeah, sad day in Steelerville. Um, all right, then. If you uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at JuicingTheNumbers at gmail.com. And uh, until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.